0: WTLC-AM, W236-CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's community connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM.
1: And good afternoon and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Tina Cosby. Today is Thursday, January 18th. Sorry for a bit of a little bit of a late start. Had some technical issues that uh, we had to get taken care of with our engineer uh, in my office. And we got it taken care of. And so we're back in here and and ready to go. Um, 317-972-3008 is our new phone number. 317, our new listener line. 317 Nine seven two three zero zero eight. 972 3008 Again, our new listener line number is 317-972-3008. On the show today, uh, fresh off news of one of the biggest Pacers trades in quite a while. We are hoping to uh, nail down and track down our sports guy uh, with the Indianapolis recorder, Danny Bridges. Um, Danny usually joins us on Thursday afternoons. And if we can locate Danny and get him on here, we will, uh, because we'd love to talk with him about, uh, you know, more with the uh, with that trade that everybody's talking about. All the sports stations, it's it's a biggie. Everybody's talking about it, and of course the upcoming um, playoff weekend uh, in the NFL and more and more. So hopefully we can uh, we can nail Danny down. You know, sports guys are busy. Um, and especially when a lot of sports is happening. So uh, we'll see if we, can, uh, if we can track him down. Uh, if we can, that'll be uh, in our second hour uh, at 2.30. Uh, later this hour at 1.30, we're going to have that long-awaited conversation with uh, what's being called the Clinician-Led Community Response Team. Now, what that means is this is a team that's made up of a group of licensed mental health professionals who help people in short-term crisis situations. This is a team that's called out uh, if someone is in a mental health crisis or a, a, a crisis situation, right, uh, especially a short-term one. Uh, the team, which many feel could possibly help uh, or could have helped or will help with de-escalating police situations involving mental health crises. Um, the team is, is here with some news about who they are, what they do. Uh, they're going to be expanding Uh, in both hours and in the areas that they now cover, uh, a whole lot more. We're going to get to that uh, coming up shortly um, at 1.30. Just a a quick public service announcement. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs uh, Veterans Benefit and Resource Event Veterans Benefits and Resource Event is going to be held um, this Saturday in Shelbyville. Shelbyville is smack dab in the middle of our, uh, you know, our listening uh, area. So we want to make sure that Shelbyville gets covered as well. Um, it's going to be um, at the twenty-one fifty-four Intelliplex Drive, twenty-one fifty-four Intelliplex Drive in Shelbyville. Uh, Veterans Health Indiana is going to host this Veterans Benefits and Resource Event. Uh, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the conference center there at 2154 Intelliplex Drive in Shelbyville. Uh, representatives are going to be on site to answer questions about toxic exposure, health benefits, VA eligibility and enrollment, federal and state VA benefits, filing claims, mental health, women's health, and more. Toxic exposure screenings are available to veterans already enrolled in VA health care. Uh, and if you're a veteran, you can start a claim right there on site. Uh, veterans should bring a copy of their DD-214. Again, if you're going, you should be a copy of your DD-214. Uh, what What is that, A.J.?
2: DD-214. It's like your... Oh, DD-214, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. It's like your what? It's like you're like a copy of your contract in the most layman way I can put it.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, copy of your contract. And, and you know, bec- just because it's in Shelbyville doesn't mean you have to be a veteran in Shelbyville to go. This is for all veterans. This is just the location. So if you're here in Indianapolis and you didn't get a chance uh, to take advantage of, of one of these, uh, these gatherings, one of these conferences when it was here in Indy, uh, there's another opportunity to do so coming up this Saturday in Shelbyville from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Again, all U.S. military veterans uh, can attend. It's just going to be in Shelbyville, um, about fifteen twenty 15, 20-minute drive east of here, east and a little south, uh, and it's going to be at 2154 Intelliplex Drive at the Intelliplex Conference Center right there uh, in Shelbyville. No registration necessary or anything of that nature. Um, the only thing required is that you have your DD-214. I said it wrong. I said your DD-214 because I am a civilian. Uh, I was corrected. DD-214. Uh, so be sure and bring that. So that's coming up Saturday. So I just wanted to let the veterans know um, about that. Um, again, right now, 317-972-3008. Just want to, you know, just solidify this, this number and get it in everyone's... Um, you know, just get it in everyone's vibration that that is now our new listener line and our new call-in number. Um, also, uh, before we get to our, our first guest, I uh, wanted to make everyone aware of an alert uh, that was sent out from the Marion County Public Health Department. Um, apparently, not apparently, this is the fact, that hospitals in the county, in Marion County, um, are urging people with mild, and again, I say And they emphasize mild. People with mild illness symptoms are being asked to please not go into emergency rooms or emergency departments at the hospitals for treatment. Again, hospitals in the county are urging people with mild, mild illness symptoms to please avoid going to emergency rooms, emergency departments at those hospitals, because I'm going to tell you why the request comes after the hospitals have reported a surge in the number of patients coming into the facilities, putting a lot of places at capacity. Um, meaning they can, you know, they're they're running out of staff to treat all of these people that are that are flooding emergency departments, emergency rooms, emergency areas at these hospitals. Now, what's going? What's why? Uh, this uh, urgent plea is coming out from the Marion County Health Department is because the increase is causing longer wait times for patients with more serious symptoms to receive priority treatment, which they should be receiving. So if it's flooded with a lot of folks that don't have very, very serious, uh, you know, symptoms, um, those who do have symptoms, it's going to take longer to get to those who are seriously ill. So again, if you are experiencing mild or mild illness symptoms, please consider The options below. And I'm going to read directly from a press release from the Marion County Public Health Department. And it reads Virginia A. Kane, MD, Director and Chief Medical Officer of the Marion County Public Health Department, says critical emergency department resources at the hospitals should be reserved for the sickest individuals experiencing a medical emergency. The Marion County Public Health Department, along with the Indianapolis Coalition for Patient Safety, offer the following recommendations for people seeking medical care. So they're not just asking you to please exercise judgment before you decide to go to the emergency department or emergency room. However, you you know, before you decide to go to emergency at a hospital, this is what they're suggesting. And again, this is from the, uh, the press release. Consider accessing urgent care sites or pharmacy-based clinics if symptoms are mild. And they describe uh, what a mild symptom would be, like a sore throat, cough, low-grade fever. Uh, these are what are described as mild illness symptoms uh, in the press release. Again. They're asking you to consider going to, like, an urgent care site or to even a pharmacy based clinic. You know, you've seen those clinics, like, at Walgreens or CVS or what have you. If your symptoms are mild, and mild symptoms include a sore throat, a cough, or low grade fever. Um, the other thing, check with your medical provider or local hospital website to determine what alternatives may be available such as telehealth or online healthcare options. So the, you know, the online healthcare options are really, really popular. Um, almost all insurance companies uh, cover that in some way, shape, or fashion. So um, you know, telemedicine and telehealth uh, may be the route to take if you're having mild symptoms. And again, these mild symptoms are described as um, uh, sore throat, uh, cough, and, and low-grade fever. Uh, So they're saying check with your medical provider or your local hospital website to see what alternatives may be available to the emergency room, okay, such as telehealth or online health care options. They're suggesting that you wash your hands frequently, especially before eating, uh, after using the restrooms and after coughing or sneezing. Ideally, cough or sneeze into your elbow, not your hands, and that makes sense. Clean and disinfect commonly used surfaces in the home like doorknobs, toilet handles, faucets, light switches. Clean those, you know, just, just disinfect them. Stay home from work if you have illness symptoms and keep children home from school if they are sick, when they are sick. Again, this is a big one, and I hear a lot of people complaining about this. They're, and and uh, a friend of mine was just telling me the other day about a coworker right next to her that was coughing, hacking. Uh, talking about how miserable they felt, and uh, you know, was I guess subsequently by a manager was sent home. But the damage, a lot of the damage had been done because they had been there and you know came into work anyway and said, I don't want to sit home, there's I'd, I'd rather be at work, but you're sick, so you need to stay home. So, anyway, stay home from work if you have illness symptoms and keep your children home from school when they are sick. I know it's not always. Uh, convenient, It never is. Illness never is. But do the best you can, please. Um, also, in that press release, it's saying uh, there's still time. It's still not too late to get vaccinated. Vaccines are available for all three of these respiratory viruses, the flu, COVID-19, and RSV. And again, it is not too late. Now, these viruses will circulate for several weeks. In fact, flu often does not peak until late. February or March. Uh, The press release concludes that following these options can make a difference and allow for the sickest of patients to access care more quickly. And again, if you are really, really sick, the last thing you want to do is to have to wait um, on care because of an overloaded, uh, understaffed uh, ER uh, with people that, you know, just aren't really as sick as as maybe you would be. So um, they're uh, there we have it. Again, uh, the Marion County Public Health Department um, in hospitals are asking people with mild illness, and that is described in the press release as sore throat, cough, low grade fever. If you have these things, consider other options. Please do not flood the emergency rooms. Those are to be reserved for the sickest of patients so that they can get the sickest of patients to care as quickly Uh, As possible, some of the options urgent care uh, and telehealth, um, and consult your physician uh, before doing that. So, again, that advisory from the Marion County Public Health Department. Um, So, there is the advisory. Uh, Here's another advisory again for veterans Uh, just get your DD 214s. Uh, and if you haven't done so um, and haven't found out about your benefits and, and resources uh, to help you, there's another event. The VA is having these uh, events throughout the area, throughout our entire listening area. This one just happens to be Saturday in Shelbyville. Uh, it is from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Uh, in the Intelliplex Conference Center, 2154 Intelliplex Drive, Shelbyville, uh, Indiana. So uh, there are our two um uh public uh, service announcements we got more but we wanted to make sure that that everyone uh, heard about those first as we were saying still ahead we're going to be talking about the clinician led uh, response team and really excited to be talking with them um aj uh, <laughs> um the every sports uh, station not everyone but i but i've listened to a lot of sports stations mm-hmm. and people are talking about this trade like there's no I mean like this is the biggest thing since sliced bread this is a lot bigger I guess than what I thought it was going to be you know yeah
2: yeah, it's pretty big news for Indianapolis for the Pacers for 100% they got themselves a a perennial all-star talent
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: he's he's he can shake it. He's going to look really good next to Halliburton. His yeah. and Halliburton's game complement each other. It's going to mm-hmm. look nice.
1: The real power forward that the, that they've been needing, uh, and they didn't. You know, unlike a lot of trades, you know, sometimes trades are kind of lopsided. It seems as if the Pacers came out uh on the right side of this particular trade with this particular talent because. Um, Hey, they, you know, they they've got somebody that's established, somebody that they know can hit the ground running and uh what, three players and three first round draft choices. Um, you know,
2: not bad. Not bad considering the talent that you gave up. You you know, you hate to see Bruce Brown go, but his fit with the Pacers wasn't the best. And you know, and Pascal fits much better. And uh, you see a few fans out there that are saying that they didn't like the the three picks. The the price of three picks was a little mm-hmm. high. Mhm. Uh, you know, a well, three first-round picks. It is, it is a little bit much, but Pascal is worth it. And if it turns out, especially if he resigns this offseason and you get him for a long term, the Pacers are going to be a contending team for the next at least five years.
1: Uh, they'll be legitimately contending. Mm-hmm. Uh, legitimate and instead of, uh, you know, kind of a ship's passing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. Somebody that's had a little talent here and a little talent there legitimately. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward, too, to talking with this uh uh, clinician-led response team because there's so many people, you know, based on these police-involved uh, shootings. AJ, mm. so many folks that have called this show have said, "Where was this team? Where were they? You know, or how come we can't have more hours? Or, or where?" And and I, you know, hopefully this is going. They're going to answer a lot of questions that that the community has and um maybe you know be able to de-escalate uh, in 2024 which what wasn't able to be de-escalated in 2023 i don't
3: know
2: yeah let's sure hope so we always hope for progress and it seems like they you know i'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say and see what their plan is mm-hmm. and also looking forward to the listeners calling in and, and, and voicing some of their concerns and some of their questions and so we can see how we can get to the bottom of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's never easy, and and like I said, IMPD comes in and, and sits down and talks to us whenever we ask. I mean, I will yeah. give them credit uh, whenever we ask, and and that's going to be um, you know that that's that's going to be something that uh, I want to be talking to them about you know throughout the course of the year because I I think the team is fine, but I still think that there is a certain amount. Of training and awareness that officers must have because in one of these instances and i'll I'll bring this up with the the team when they get here but in one of these instances there were negotiators several Mm -hmm. uh and uh you know deadly force was still used so uh you know the temperament officer temperament i think might be something that we need to because you know it seems like they just lose patience um i guess i don't i don't know i don't know i can't really say yeah it's a hard call a hard call because I've, I've you know when i was reporting um both in in tennessee and here uh i recall vividly being almost you know we're reporters we're you know we were about to change shifts we well no keep the same one on the ship because uh where there were uh swat team and negotiations and intense and uh, situations where, you know sometimes involving hostages sometimes involving people you know they, they just uh, it seemed like they, the police would just uh, spend a little bit more time you know mm-hmm. they waited out and now it seems like nope you know I mean that's what it seems like I'm sure that every situation is different but um, you know it just seems like patience gets worn pretty thin and they just say okay that's that's enough mm-hmm. and uh you know the the claim that uh fear for their life you know this qualified immunity it's always a reasonable one but uh mm-hmm. i don't know aj i don't know it's but, it's a lot it's a lot to go through <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to go through it is it is but we'll uh you know we'll, we'll go through that and the, then what i'm also looking forward to tomorrow uh, is that um, it'll be our first uh, time. We talked with uh, James about this yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, our first meeting with the IBLC, Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. They're going um, to come on. Um, and again, as James and I were talking, this is a tradition that started back in the days of Amos Brown, maybe even before Amos. I don't know. I'll have to ask uh, some of the lawmakers. But um, it, it was just an understanding that during the session, uh, they would come on the regular whenever they could, once a week, sometimes twice a week, uh, come and sit and talk to the community about what they were doing down there uh on Market Street, mm-hmm. which is what, almost a stone's throw away from where we yeah. are. What right here? Yeah, right there. Right yeah. There.
3: There. Mm-hmm. there it is.
1: Yeah, you see it. So, um and, and see what's what's going on with that. But uh uh the I, I don't I'm trying to figure out who we talked with about how long it might take it you know it's 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 concerning that it may take another 10 years to break that supermajority hold mm-hmm. uh on the on the legislature because the reason they're able to do it was uh uh census you know every, every census uh er, the year every 10 years when the census is done and the maps are redrawn the party that uh is in power gets to you know choose how they want to cut up so mm-hmm. uh hopefully it won't take another 10 years hopefully we can get some voters aware that you don't just because you're a republican doesn't mean you have to always vote republican
2: exactly you vote for what's going to do best for you not necessarily yeah. the party itself you can uh, agree with the party's ideals and values mm-hmm. but you know take mm-hmm. a look at the candidates
1: and I, I think democrats tend to do that you know i you know i've heard uh, callers to the show say well um, I in Dion has said that, too, that they've mixed it up before, like, hey, mm-hmm. depending on who the, the person was, just because I'm a Democrat doesn't mean I always have to vote Democrat just because I'm a Republican doesn't mean I always have to vote Republican. But there seems to be a deeper held loyalty in rural areas to the Republican Party in the state of Indiana than there is in other. Well, I don't know.
2: I can I can definitely see that I can definitely I see that
1: I, I can't say that there isn't other areas because I don't know about other areas, <laughs> but uh, it seems to be the case here. Yeah. So uh, it, it
2: seems that's the thing around the widespread of the United States mm-hmm. is that when you when you're in a rural area, it seems mm-hmm. as though that they cling more to to their political oh, side or their, yeah. their side is it seems like in a rural area they cling more to their their politics so.
1: yeah a lot more tribalism too yeah. yeah a lot more so uh and we won't talk about 45 the one not to talk about we're not going to <laughs> uh because um apparent as we were saying yesterday um It's just unthinkable, the things that 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 human is able to get away with in a court of law, in the United States justice system, and all other things. And so um, if it doesn't end with some swift and and certain justice uh, being rained down on him— i uh, i think he's he may have broken certain parts of he may have broken certain parts of the criminal justice system i really do
2: yeah it's it's looking that way it's funny i my cousin's in Ireland and right now he called me yesterday he's like i'm in ireland man we got to talking, and we ended up talking about a little bit about the election mm-hmm. and he was like i bet you a dollar Trump's gonna win again oh my <laughs> I goodness said i'll take that bet that's money.
1: <laughs> I'm taking that yeah man, it's
2: easy money easy <laughs> money
1: no he's i i don't I mean, we, we certainly can never afford to be complacent and, and think, oh, well, he's not going to win. But I will say this, if Iowa was supposed to be his strength and, and his, uh you know, is supposed to catapult him into the campaign, if only 50 percent of Republicans in Iowa, only 51 percent voted for him, I keep saying it, he should have had upwards of 60, 70, 75, 80 percent if he's that popular with even 14% exactly. that came out.
2: Exactly, with such a low turnout rate, you would think that.
1: Yeah, he would have wiped up, he wiped yeah. up the floor with yeah. that. And yeah. he didn't. They, you know, the, so so something's going on. And I, I don't know why, again, I'm still not sure why folks aren't pointing to that a little bit more, because to me, that was a weak show. I mean, yes, he had a very strong showing against his opponents, and he took, you know, he there was no contest between him and his opponents, right. OK true very 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 strong at the uh, surface yeah on the surface mm-hmm. but when you look overall well first of all the weather was bad but i don't know, uh, you know iowans
2: the, the they- iowans and and not just iowans but the maggots they like they don't care
3: no, they, they, no. they
2: don't care they enjoy the process of going outside and proving themselves and mm-hmm. being alphas quote-unquote mm-hmm. i don't you know it seems as though that you guys would be the ones to be going out if it was that cold outside. So, you know, maybe that is the 14%, which in that case, it's looking a little bad for you. Yep. Indeed.
1: Hey, um, we, uh, with our preliminaries now, uh, we still, uh, have, uh, our guests that are coming up. Uh, I just mm-hmm. got word from Danny, uh, and he said, yes, I'm here. I will be here. Uh, so we, <laughs> and you know, you know, Danny's going to be about the opposite of what any, you know that. Yeah. Or if le if not the opposite, at least, um, be it somewhat contrary to a prevailing school of thought, and the prevailing school of thought is, uh, or does appear to be, that it was uh, uh, the Pacers made a good trade. Mm-hmm. Danny's not going to say that, I'll bet. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I don't know, I don't know. I you feel think? like it'd be a little hard to say. I, I'm eager to see what he says. I th- let, yes, thank you. Let <laughs> us put it that way that uh, we are eager to see what Danny will have to say. Uh, But still ahead uh, just after this break, we're going to take a quick one. The clinician-led community response team is coming up. We've been talking about them. We're going to have them here in studio with us in just a few minutes. We'll be right back.
0: Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station.
1: And we're back with Community Connection. And as we were saying at the top of the show, our guests for this segment are from the clinician-led community response team. It's a collaboration between the city's Office of Public Health and Safety and the Stepping Stones Therapy Center. Uh, The team is in place to help people experiencing a mental health crisis. Um, They join us now to talk more about who they are, what they do, how they function, and more. Here with us now are Julie Bingham. She is the Deputy Director of Behavioral Health for the City of Office excuse me, City of Indianapolis, Office of Public Health and Safety. Julie, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: And also Andrea Brown. Is it Andrea? or Andrea? Yes. Okay, Andrea Brown. I didn't want to say, some people say Andrea, Uh, what have you. I don't want to (laughs) offend. Andrea. Andrea, You did say that. I got it right. Uh, Andrea, you are the Director of Operations for the Clinician-Led Community Response Team from uh, the Stepping Stones Therapy Center, correct? Yes. Okay, well, welcome both of you. So, um, first of all... um, Tell describe what what we're talking about here when we talk about the collaboration between the two, um, and how it first came about, and and who you are and what you do.
5: Yeah, so um, Stepping Stones Therapy Center mm-hmm. is an agency that provides mental health services. Um, so with the community um, clinician led community response team, we mm-hmm. are responding to those who are experiencing mental health crises. Um, if they are calling nine one one, as opposed to having law enforcement inv- involved, so our clinicians are responding um, without law enforcement to mental health crises. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so so Julie, Julie the, yes. the city's involvement
4: here. Absolutely. So, the Office of Public Health and Safety has been um, avid about making sure that individuals have quality services and access to mental health care, and so. With mental health crisis that is happening across the city of Indianapolis and in Marion County, um, this program is unique to be able to serve individuals that are experiencing a mental health crisis. So it is funded by the Office of Public Health and Safety, which is, and it's a city program, but it is operated by Stepping Stone's Therapy Center.
3: Okay.
1: So what constitutes um, a crisis and what
5: what's the trigger that gets that, that puts you all in motion, that puts the team in motion? So a mental health crisis could be a number of things. It could be um, someone who is um, obviously experiencing any type of anxiety, um, grief, um, a panic attack, um, anything in in regards to, to their mental health. Um so uh, the way that we get involved with these individuals with our neighbors is someone calls 911 and they say that they are having a mental health emergency or they have are witnessing someone mm-hmm. having a mental health emergency and we are dispatched by 911. Oh, okay, go ahead. And yeah. I was just
4: going to add to that. So like Andrea said, you know, if if somebody is concerned about a family member or a neighbor or a friend, they can call 911 themselves.
1: Now does someone have to call 911 and then the dispatcher has to make the decision to put uh, a call out to to the team or can someone call the team directly? Um right now we are funneling our calls um through 911. Yeah, yeah. So it's at the discretion of the dispatcher
5: then, right? So how does that work? So we have been um, working closely with with 911 <laughs> and dispatch yeah. to to iron that out. Um, so what it looks like now, when someone calls in, um, they are working on a prompt to say, you know, is this police, EMS, or fire, or mental health?
4: And we have weekly or biweekly meetings mm. yeah. with, with dispatch, so we can yeah. assist with that process and we can review the data. And the calls that are coming in and work with the dispatchers on, hey, this could be a call that we could respond to. Yeah, and
1: I don't want to get too far off the farm, but that seems to have been a a concern from folks in in the past that have talked about the need for such a thing. And I want to get Mm -hmm. into that. The community has been begging for something Mm -hmm. uh, like this. But uh, the concern about the discretionary latitude that these dispatchers have in terms of whether to send police or to send the team. Uh, So um the yeah that's that's just been a concern for for folks and so you're saying these weekly meeting or what do you say weekly
4: meetings or Usually
5: weekly, weekly. Yeah.
4: yeah yeah we're we're diving in the in the data and, mm. the, and the calls and yeah. looking at yeah you
5: know what should be appropriate for us so we were able to um be a part of the conversation for the decision tree Um, So that when they get the phone calls um, through 911, that they can go through a list of questions to determine, Mm -hmm. um, is this appropriate for the CLCR? Is this appropriate for um, IMPD? Mm -hmm. So as long as there's no threat of danger, um, our weapons are not in play, and it is a truly mental Mm -hmm. health crisis, the CLCR will respond. And
1: so I I think this goes without saying, but the importance of this unit for the community, uh, can you speak
4: to that? I think it's so important because many times we're facing so many mental health crises in the city. The city is experiencing a lot of mental health concerns. And this provides another way that we can reach our neighbors in our community when they're in crisis. So we're offering that crisis de-escalation and the, the assessment, but also the lived experience with having a peer respond to. Yeah, and
5: a study just came out um, not too long ago by IU, and the researchers determined that um, in 2022, there were approximately 26,000 just people in Indianapolis mm-hmm. who had serious mental health um, issues and concerns that went untreated. Um, so that number alone, just in Marion County, um, is, is alarming, and, mm-hmm. and we understand the importance of meeting people where they are and providing those, those interventions.
1: Our guests are members of the clinician-led community response team uh, from both uh, Stepping Stones Therapy and the city's uh, Office of Public Health uh, and Safety. Um, And I I guess at its core, uh, what we're talking about is is de-escalation, you know, straight and simple, Mm -hmm. because that's been what's missing in a lot of uh, what what we know to have been, you know, police shootings, police uh, involvement, community involvement, and you know, all kinds of involvement, and that that you think that this de-escalation
5: will, will go a long way. Absolutely. Um, de-escalation is... The, pretty much the forefront of what we're doing um, in meeting our neighbors where they are, doing crisis interventions when appropriate, and assessing the situation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, the calls that we're encountering, the people just want to be heard um, and understood and, and not be judged. And, and that's where our team comes in with that empathetic lens as clinicians, therapists, mm-hmm. social workers, um, and peers with lived experiences.
1: So so, how does this work? Okay, we, the call goes into the to the dispatch. Dispatch says, "Hey,
5: um, I think that this fits the criteria for uh, the team." Then what? Um, so then we are dispatched by 911, and they request the clinician one, and we respond. And How gather- many
1: respond? Who responds? Who goes? Yes. Yeah,
5: okay. I'm sorry.
1: Go ahead. That's okay.
5: <laughs> um, so it's a team of three that are on a shift at okay. a time. Okay. Um, we have our program manager, who is a licensed clinical, either mental health counselor or social worker, um, who is the supervisor of the shift. Um, we have our therapist, who are the clinicians, and then our peer support specialist. So when we receive a call, we gather as much information as possible. Um, sometimes we can get a lot of information. Sometimes we just get, you know, the location. Um, and then we do a pre-brief is what we call a pre-brief. And we decide the best course of action for, for this neighbor. Do we, um, do we need the therapist to, to lead this call? Mm-hmm. Or do we need the clinician or do we need, I'm sorry, the peer support specialist to lead this call? Um, and then as, when we arrive, we are constantly assessing for safety and we connect our neighbors to long-term viable care. Um, so we're, we're not trying to put a Band-Aid on it. We're trying to connect them to, to viable right. resources that will help yeah. them in the long run. Police involvement, at what point does that come into
1: play? Do you work alongside police on all of these calls, or do you call police on some of them, or are police not a part of, of the calls?
5: So our, our goal <laughs> I don't, I don't. is to not have law enforcement involved. So if dispatch is calling us, we will respond without law enforcement. Again, we are constantly assessing safety and making sure that our clinicians and our peer support specialists are safe in what they're doing. Um, the only time that law enforcement will get involved is if there's a safety concern or public um, a public safety issue. So, we are typically responding to the calls without law enforcement. Um, there has also been times where IMPD has have been on a call and said, you know, hey, this is better suited for the, the CLCR. Um, and and then referred to you. Yes, that's <laughs> what we call ourselves for short, the CLCR. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is better fit for the CLCR. And they will, you know, radio us in. And then once we arrive on the scene, then the police will leave.
1: So availability, hours, areas covered, things of that nature, that has been uh, a community concern that has been called into this show. And, again, if you'd like to ask questions, we have the experts here now. We have the team. We have representatives of the team here that we have been discussing and talking about for so, so very many weeks. Um, If you'd like to call in, 317-972-3008, 317-972-3008. Okay, go, go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: So the team operates 24-7.
1: 24-7.
4: In the downtown district. And we're looking to potentially expand into the East District now Mm -hmm. that we're in the new year.
1: So what areas are you looking to add? So the East District into the new year, primarily downtown. Is there a reason why that's the the area or the scope? That
4: was the uh, the area that was proposed when the the program Uh, was formulated. Okay.
1: So, is there is there a time that at, at some point in time, the east, north, south, east, and west, that this team will be able to respond to?
4: I think looking in in long term, I think there's goals for that. That's what we would like is mm-hmm. to be able to serve the entire city. Absolutely.
1: So, so going to you expanding to the east side through sometime during 2024. Uh, can you explain the the significance of that? Are there is is it based on call volume or, or what? I mean, how
4: how do we come to that? Well, and I think. Part of that is, is is staffing. That's also how we transition to that process because we're serving the downtown mm-hmm. district currently um, and how we start phasing in. So mm-hmm. that's the importance of having those weekly and biweekly meetings with IMPD dispatch and mm-hmm. what areas would be best. Yeah.
1: So, you know, in talking about mental health, and, and we talk about that a lot on, on the station as well, mental wellness, mental health, so many stressors are out there, uh, you know, for people, especially, it was it was especially high during COVID and now post-COVID um, as well. So what, can you give us a, a I, I don't know, how how are people doing, I guess is what I'm, you know, maybe what I'm asking uh, is more or less, uh,
5: more in need, more in need. Where where are we with all of that? Um, from our perspective, what we are seeing in the community is people are are, for a lack of a better term, hurting.
3: Mm, like mm-hmm.
5: there is a lot of pain and suffering um, in our community, in and around our community, um, and people, like I said, are just wanting to be heard um, and be understood. Um, and and have an empathetic ear mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: they want to be able to to say what they have to say and have somebody listen to them and mm-hmm. in yeah. a time that they're hurting and yeah. in pain yeah.
1: what, what, what are some of the drivers
4: um, I know that a lot of times and just the research that I've seen um, just some sort of loss or pain Um, that they're experiencing or going through you know Mm -hmm. they we don't know what that person's experience is but in their mind it's a painful experience and so um, lots of grief and loss Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to know how to manage those emotions and sometimes you know that leads to even more painful thoughts and feelings where they might contemplate wanting to take their life Mm -hmm. Um, people are experiencing pain yeah,
1: yeah, and a lot of it exacerbated. You think by the the, the COVID uh, crisis, the COVID lockdown, the pandemic? Do you think I th- that's what we hear? Sometimes. I,
5: I would I would say that um, absolutely, um, but I also think that what came out on the other side of that is the um, the dialogue started with how important it is, like what a toll that took on people's mental health. Um, and it spotlighted the importance of people taking care of um, not just themselves, but one another. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. People seem to be, for lack of a better phrase, on edge a little bit more. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're standing in line at the grocery store, you know, somebody people want to, it's like I don't know. You're you're right. Maybe people are hurting, angry, or what have you. But you 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 feel a lot of times, and and I think that takes a toll on your mm-hmm. mental health as well. When you have to feel like you have to walk around eggshells, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at certain folks, and it's not as comfortable as it once was in the in the grocery store. Because if you bump into somebody, you don't mm-hmm. know how that's going to mm-hmm. escalate, you know, because folks are on edge. So it's it's like, what can we do, just as everyday individuals, to 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 better, I don't know, to lessen that, to help with that? How can we do better?
4: I think educate yourself and the community in mental health and the stigma behind it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's Uh. prevention, Mm -hmm. um, advocating for the community, um, becoming a part, becoming an advocate, um, and learning more. You know, there's trainings Mm -hmm. that, even just basic level trainings that individuals can can take, like Mm -hmm. mental health first aid, Um, And other programs that can raise awareness. Oh, QPR and QPR—that's like mental health first aid. Mm -hmm. It's kind of sort of
1: like. Um, And the you you talked about the stigma and boy oh boy oh boy Mm. are there stigmas associated when you use the word you know in mental health stigmas, especially in uh, minority communities, Mm -hmm. especially among. Males, You know, it goes along sexual, you know, uh, sexual gender lines, I should say, Mm -hmm. gender lines and and um, and others. Uh, And the the ability to to pierce and to break through some of those stigmas is 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 a unique ability indeed. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts about how this unit, the establishment of it and the fact that you're 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 up and running? and, And what are
5: your thoughts about how that may help? uh, with the stigma? Um, I think it would, it's going to help greatly. Um, we have a diverse team of Mm -hmm. both males and females, um, from diverse backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's going to, to put a face, especially with our peer support specialists who have that lived experience, um, to put a face to say, you're not alone. Um, this is, you know, this is, um, one in five people have some type of diagnosable mental health um, concern. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's just gonna be important that people see themselves in, mm-hmm. our, in our clinicians so, so that, again, they don't feel that stigma. So if I see um, a, a black gentleman who is coming to assist me or somebody who looks like me mm-hmm. that, that I can um, connect with Um, then then that's when the the stigma and the shame is Mm. is lowered when you can see yourself and the people who are offering you and providing you support yeah Yeah. and I think
4: it's the compassion that the the staff has to be able to deliver the 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 quality care and services to the community they Mm -hmm. want to to be doing more they want to be helping and so you know we have People to call and mm-hmm. for people yeah. to respond.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. and I, I just wonder how that's how the community, well, how do you think the, and again, if you would like to join the conversation, uh, please feel free, 317 972 3008, 317 972 3008. We're talking about the cl- clinician led community response team. Ah, say that Tina clinician led <laughs> community uh response team but it's, it's it's an important team and it's an important concept and it's one again that that we we talk to people about all the how do you think the community is
5: gonna gonna respond to this how, what do you think what are your thoughts I think this is something that the community has been vying for for a long time mm-hmm. um so I the the um, reception that we have gotten has has been positive from from all community partners mm-hmm. and um, just the neighbors in in the community. So it's mm-hmm. it's been a breath of fresh air yeah. for for a lot of our neighbors who are constantly met with um, the threat of being um, put in jail or um, emergency um, detained in the hospital. Um, it's it's a group of people who are you know hands off and just trying to offer the best. Um, viable resource
4: okay go and ahead. and i go often ahead. get when can we do more you know mm-hmm. when can the team be all over the city so mm-hmm. people are excited about this they want to know how we're going to be able to preserve it and be able to continue to expand and
1: so the team is more or less first aid though right i mean at first aid and then the referral is from that particular um I don't know, that particular incident or whatever, when you make a run, that particular run, does a referral always result in from a run?
5: Um, not all the time. Really? Um, sometimes, mm. like I said, it's just because it's, at the end of the day, our neighbors have the autonomy to decide what they want.
3: Mm. We're not
5: going to force anything on anyone. Um, so if they say, you know, yeah, yes, I have a mental health crisis, but right now I don't want, you know, your services. They have, they have, the, right they to, have yeah. the right to refuse that. So um, it doesn't always end in a referral, but as trained clinicians mm. um, and trained individuals, we offer those those options yeah. to them.
1: Yeah. 317-972-3008. 317-972-3008. We have a caller on the line. We're going to get to you in just a second. We also have a caller that could not stay on the line that has asked, are any of the clinicians
5: armed to protect themselves? No. Yeah. no no we don't bring we don't bring guns to mental health parties yeah so yeah yeah no. indeed uh Pierre go ahead how are you
6: oh good afternoon uh mm-hmm. Tina and to your guests um I'm kind of skeptical about all of this um I you know um
1: what, what 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 is driving your skepticism
6: well you know mental health crisis can go from um, zero to a hundred and a second mm-hmm. um and um people when when they're when you call the police or you need to pick up the phone and call nine one uh for a mental health crisis, obviously there's something that alarms somebody uh and they feel that uh, there's a situation going on where somebody needs to be um uh, taken care of or you know taken down to the hospital or or somewhere. And um, I just, you know, sending a mental health uh, team out to deal with these individuals, um, you know, it sounds good. It's, it's like I don't even want to go there, but, you know, somebody's going to say this is another one of these uh, woke solutions that's not going to work. But uh, you guys just be safe. And, well, um you know, want...
3: okay, well, go well,
6: ahead. Go, know, go, it go, just... go oh, ahead, yeah, It just it just It's just one of those things where we've all we've all been in situations where we've seen people with mental health um, Mm -hmm. uh, crisis. And, um, you know, you can pull any old officer off the street and they can tell you, you know, they've dealt with uh, people that look like they weren't going to do anything. And then the next thing you know, uh, they're fighting with them. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to see any of these people get hurt. Well and Pierre but up?
1: but here's the thing the opposite the opposite of what you're saying is very much true as well. The opposite is well, very much true as well. And here's the thing there is no silver bullet when it especially when it comes to breaking down barriers. I'm 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 not the expert but what I'm saying is somebody has to do something. Or else right. we're or, yeah and and so to to say that this you I understand your skepticism and and I get that and you're entitled to it. But isn't something better than nothing? Because when we look back at um, the cases that we we talked about so often uh, over, you know, in 2023, uh, where uh, people were in mental health crises and people right. who called into this show were saying, I wonder if someone had been there to talk to them or to de-escalate or someone who understood a mental health crisis, I wonder if it would have gotten to that point, which is why I'm saying maybe what you're saying, the opposite is true of what you're saying as well, right?
3: And I, I'm going to
1: defer, I'm going to let our, you know what, let's let's take a quick break and I'm going to let our experts here because I am not an expert in this. But I I will tell you that, you know, I, anyway, uh, 317-972-3008. So you can stay right there because I'm going to let you talk with our experts here. we got a good panel here. 317-972-3008. We're going to take a very quick break, and then we'll be right back. Stay right there.
0: WTLC-AM, W236-CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection, brought to you by Child Advocates, your voice, their future, on Praise AM 1310,
1: 95.1 FM. And we are back with Community Connection, our new listener line number. If you want to call in and join the conversation, 317-972-3008, 317-972-3008. Our guest, Julie Bingham, Deputy Director of the Behavioral Health of behavioral health city of indianapolis's office of public health and safety and andrea brown director of operations for the clinician-led community response team uh from the stepping stones therapy center uh the community-led uh, clinician-led tina get it right the c's all the c's the clinician-led community response team is a collaboration between the city's office of public health and safety and the stepping stones therapy center that being said they are here we are talking um uh, there, there's a lot that is is, is involved in this conversation, uh, and we're going to get to even a lot more. Uh, we've got a couple of callers that wanted to join in. Um, Pierre, you had a couple of questions. I'm going to refer you to um, our panel, uh, to Julie and Andrea. And Julie, Andrea, who wants to
5: go first? Um, I'll jump in. Okay, that's um, Andrea. Oh, yes.
6: Hey, I just, uh, real quickly, uh, in some of those situations uh, that I've seen, IMPD has showed up. And um, they've had uh, even they've had even female officers there to try to you know talk the person through it you know and all the things that I've seen you know the police are standing there saying hey buddy come on let's go outside and talk about it let's they're I mean they're trying to de-escalate and this person is just not complying and they are all over the place and like I said you know. I just want to, you guys just be safe and I, I just hope that there's a situation where you can take IMPD with you. Uh, I got to get off the phone, but uh, I'll listen off the air, but uh, I really think a police officer should be there with you guys because um, these situations go, can go from zero to 100 in a hundred in just an instant. And uh, Thank you for taking my call and thank you guys for what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank,
5: thank you, you, Pierre. Um, so what I do want to start off by saying I think it is a huge misconception that people with mental health issues and concerns are dangerous. Um, Our clinicians are trained. Um, They are I mean this is this is what they went to school for. This is what Mm -hmm. this is the groundwork of their education is um, therapeutic interventions. So I think once we once we kind of get past People with mental health issues are dangerous. Once stigmas, we, yeah, stigmas, once we stigmas. get past that, um, I think we can we can understand where the clinician um, mm. led response team comes in. Yeah, um, I think people also may not realize in certain communities that um, officers and lights and and guns, yeah. is is a trigger within itself mm. and can exasperate a situation. Um, so. Like I said, our our clinicians are trained at at this. This Mm -hmm. isn't something that they just um, woke up and applied for on Indeed. This is Mm -hmm. something that they are um, passionate about Mm -hmm. and understand. This is what they do. This is Mm -hmm. what they do.
1: Yeah, 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 indeed. Julie, you want to add anything to that?
5: No,
4: No, I would just um, echo what Andrea said, that, you know, we do have to start somewhere also with being able to Mm -hmm. offer crisis De-escalation,
1: yeah, crisis de-escalation indeed. And I, you know, I asked this question off the air, and I'm glad, Andrea, that you mentioned it on the air. Is that uh, because one of Pierre's points was you need the police with you, and I was Mm -hmm.
5: saying sometimes wouldn't the police sometimes agitate the situation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Um, And what I also want the the public to know is that our clinicians are not naive to Mm -hmm. think that they can take on everything right we understand that there are there there may be situations Mm -hmm. where um we need that support from IMPD so we're not saying you know we are just anti-police we're Mm -hmm. saying let us do the mental health side Mm -hmm. and if there is a public safety concern we absolutely have no problem um phoning in mm-hmm. IMPD. We carry radios just mm-hmm. like IMPD. Yeah. So we have that same access to that same emergency button mm-hmm. that that the officers um, that Pierre were referring to, we yeah. have that same access if needed.
1: And from what I understand, the officers don't want to be doing your job either. No. They would rather not. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's what they just said a couple of days ago. They'd rather not be. They welcome exactly uh, the unit. So they're they're only too happy to, to have you there. Um, 317-972-3008. 317-972-3008. Uh, Frank, you have a question or a comment for our panel. Go ahead. How are you, Frank?
7: Uh, it, it could be the one... But okay. I, I'm glad to see that uh, uh, those ladies and uh, anybody else that's involved mm-hmm. with their outfit are doing what they're doing because I see it a, a whole lot different than uh, what PR was saying and, mm-hmm. and talking about. Anytime you can uh, save a life and uh, and have more input on the conversation besides just the police, somebody else is there too, mm-hmm. uh, and that way you got more then when if it was making these 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 decisions uh, uh just with one with the police department or with the with all them other departments that that you got mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. that you got you got more you got more say so there and, and and you can put more in it as long as you being honest about the whole mm-hmm. situation because you're there mm-hmm. you're looking at it and you hear everything that's going on mm-hmm. and so I see it if you can save a life, amen to that. Thank you, ladies.
1: Thank, Alrighty, you. thank, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. 317-972-3008. 317-972-3008. And, and your community partners are not just uh, the city uh, of, of Indianapolis and in the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. You have other partners that are part of this initiative, correct?
4: Yes. So we um, collaborate with IMPD, Dispatch, um, the Assessment and Intervention Center, Stepping Stones Therapy. So there's lots of mm-hmm. key stakeholders within the community that we are partnering with.
1: And a little bit more on Stepping Stones, who, who you are and what you do. I think I, we just jumped into a convo and didn't get to. But but Stepping Stones was chosen for a reason.
5: Yes. So <laughs> Stepping Stones Therapy Center um, was founded in 2015. Um, and our goal, what we wanted to do was provide accessible um high quality services to everyone in our community regardless of socioeconomic status, gender, racial or sexual identity, mm-hmm. um and religious affiliation. So our goal was to promote the well-being of children, families um through prevention, intervention, advocacy and education. Yeah. Um and and that's been been our mission um since 2015. Yeah, and so go go ahead. And I would just like
4: to add to that, and even response to the to the last callers that these teams are saving lives. They are going out and assisting these individuals and meeting them with where they're at, and sometimes we're meeting them on their worst day, Mm -hmm. the the day that you know they've maybe suffered the most pain that they've had, um, and it could be a really bad day for them, and they might be contemplating. Mm -hmm. More serious actions And the team is able to save lives By being able to do these Crisis assessments The de-escalation Meeting them where they're at Mm -hmm. And offering that compassion Yeah, yeah Well, uh, We had another caller that could
1: not stay on the line He's one of our colleagues here, Dr. Tommy Brown We love (laughs) Dr. Brown Uh, But Dr. Brown is asking uh, Does this organization provide presentations To groups who gather daily uh, To provide Is it prevent or present? Present Uh, present their services because this is something that the churches have stopped doing. And Dr. Brown is also a retired pastor. Apparently, uh, there was a point in time when churches used to do this, uh, entertain presentations, and Dr. Brown feels as if they're not doing it as much. So, uh, again, he's asking, does uh, this collaboration, this this, uh, this clinician-led community response team, do you do presentations and yes. go out into the community thing? yes
4: and Andrea and I could even tag team that together I was at a presentation last evening for um, mm-hmm. an organization for a church so mm-hmm. um, that's
5: yeah. how, how's how 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 might one arrange that um with stepping stone they would just um, go to our website it's mm-hmm. um, www steppingstone tc mm-hmm. um, stands for therapy center at the end dot org, mm-hmm. um, and you just hit the contact us button, and and we will respond and set up a a presentation. I've been doing um, presentations for for local community partners um, since about July, so mm-hmm. I am and um, me and mm-hmm. Julie both welcome welcome that opportunity to educate anyone that we can. Mm-hmm.
1: So so on 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 the regular, I mean you're up and operational now. I guess it varies, but r- roughly, how many calls a day does this team get the community led uh, clinician I'm sorry, clinician led uh,
4: community response team? Um, as far as the t- total of number of calls so far, it's been about one hundred and forty four wow. as far as daily. I think it varies based on um, you know what the need mm-hmm. is and at that time. So there could be days that it could be higher, um, mm-hmm. higher call volumes, and then there might be other days where, um, there might not be as many calls. Yeah, yeah.
5: and there are days like, um, and I guess to be it, it's, a lot of calls is is relative. So a yeah. typical crisis response, um, the average time to from the beginning to the end is about two and a half hours. Oh wow! Okay. okay. So so we're thorough, um, wow. in what and what we're doing. So so the average. Um, Capacity that we would have in a in a twelve hour shift is about five five calls yeah. in a shift.
1: But 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 the the time spent on on a crisis is two and a half hours. Uh, to, to from crisis to de-escalation, two mm-hmm. and two and a half hours. That is phenomenal, mm-hmm. considering what we've heard uh, that has happened with law enforcement,
4: and making sure they have the resources. At the end of that assessment, you know, if they need to be mm-hmm. linked oh, yeah. to a counselor, if they need to be linked to a higher level of care, they're they're leaving with that information yeah. and have that that resource. Yeah.
5: And the team is assessing that at the beginning of each shift, so we're not just um, blindly referring people to to different organizations. Um, the beginning of the shift, our team is calling these resources to say, "Hey, if we run into this, how many beds do you have available? Oh, I see. Um, yeah. How how quickly could we get in for an intake? Um, so we are vetting the services that we are connecting our neighbors to.
1: Is that overlapping any of what the dispatcher does? Because I, I know sometimes dispatch knows these organizations and, and who how bit. So I guess you do it in
5: conjunction with that as well. Yeah, we typically do it on our own. On your own, okay. um, because we want real time. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. data um, I see. And, and again try to alleviate as much pressure as we can on our mm-hmm. dispatchers.
1: Well we have been getting a hard rap that you ladies have to go and so I'm not going to ask any more questions but is there anything that um, we didn't get to that you want to share before we have to let you go and again the uh, resources for people who may want to get in touch with you or schedule a presentation or
4: something like that. I want to make sure that we get that in as well. Um, As far as Contacting me, um, my email is bingham at in.gov mm-hmm. or at indie.gov. I'm sorry. It's um, okay. I've been and, doing it all. <laughs> I've been doing it the whole show. I'm like trying to get it. <laughs> um, okay. So, and that's something indie.gov, that, yes. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. And then I would get with my the communications team and with Andrea and we can mm-hmm. um, collaborate together on how we can do that. Yeah.
5: And for more information on um, Stepping Stone Therapy Center, it's um, www steppingstone steppingstonetc.org yes ma'am
1: all righty thank you so much julie and andrea you've provided a wealth of information and a whole lot of hope um you know for the community um uh, it's great to hear about the expansion it's great to know that uh this unit is available 24 7 um uh and it's great that it's here to stay uh, and we can we cannot thank you enough for all that you do. And hopefully come back and tell us uh, tell us tell us give us an update. Tell us how it's yep. going. Oh, uh, we welcome you, the, that. the door will always be open. You can thank always you. come back. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We thank appreciate you. you. All right, Such a pleasure thank to be here. You. Thank, you. thank you. Pleasure was mine. And we'll let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station.
1: And we're back with Community Connection. What a good conversation. And, um, you know, uh, there, you, just good vibrations from these folks. And um, I got to believe, AJ, that um, this thing is going to grow. Yeah. Um, I, I know that, you know, that no matter what's out there, you know, well, yeah, it's just downtown and it's gonna go on the east side. What about it? Well, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh and a lot of these things there it's a process. Um and it has to do with funding and collaboration and things of that nature. But even if it was just in one little area, uh right here on Monument Circle, that's a start. And I think it's only gonna grow uh from here.
3: Yeah. And I
1: can I, see that. You, I I can't imagine how good IMPD must feel right about now.
2: They should feel great. They should feel great mm-hmm. the way that uh, acting chief Bailey had spoke the mm-hmm. other day when he was <laughs> yeah, on the show and, they and saying, yeah. you know, they, they're responsible for a lot. And I can, mm-hmm. I can respect that. You guys are responsible for a lot. and You mm-hmm. do need a little bit taken off of your plate. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a grand idea. I think they're going to execute it mm-hmm. immaculately, to be completely honest. They look like they have a grip on the situation. And I just can't wait to see it expand. I, I want to see the roster increase and I want to see more districts yeah. be able to have that yeah. type of access to that help.
1: Yeah. And uh, the the fact that only in extreme situations would they ever uh, feel the need to call uh, uh, for police backup uh, is, is refreshing as well.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, um, and, and in the meantime, those, those cases that, uh, that we talked about the, the 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 tree, the machete, and even uh, questions some questions swirling around. uh did you hear about that one the Burger King uh, where the uh, yeah, the, the suspect was yeah out I think it was twenty first in Shadeland if mm. I'm not mistaken um and um was uh you know it was a it was a trespassing call, mm. and you know that that uh, apparently uh, according to the report uh, you know, there there was an officer injured in that one as well. But according to some, uh, this person uh who had been trespassing, uh or been accused of trespassing also had some uh some mental health issues as well. So uh that that could have been or maybe should have been mitigated. I don't know. But I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Somebody's got a gun if, if if it were in fact true. I mean again, this is just what the report says, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been um, you know, gone through the courts or the system yet, but mm-hmm. If indeed it's true, that's a little that's a little uh, grayer area, mm-hmm. mental health or not. Wouldn't you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to make it a little bit more sticky, but it's it's, it's going to be a gray area with everything. I guess you know. <laughs> so it's, we got to figure it out. But it looks like they have the good grip on it. So yeah, I think so. I think the, a lot of things can be avoided. That situation possibly could have yeah. been avoided, even with the accusation of a weapon on hand having IMPD in the background isn't a bad idea if you have that type of information, but at the same time, you know, like, like she said, like Andrea said, the lights, the cars, the cops, the guns, the are a trigger in of itself. she
1: said just the uniform, it's a the
2: trigger uniform. in of itself. And it doesn't have to be a mental health thing that mm-hmm. just comes from being black in America. It's a trigger in of itself.
1: You know, Certainly. there was a, um, there was a guy, I think it's Burl Dean Redmond. Verlding, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story, young fella. Oh, let's uh, <laughs> so, I like stories. Um, and uh, this was during my reporting days when I was at Wish TV. Mm-hmm. And he lived. I think Verldeen has since gone on to glory, but he lived in uh, Anderson, Indiana. And he made headlines. He was a white, a white gentleman, very tall, slender white gentleman, uh, uh, frequent offender. You know, commonly picked up for. Um, uh, public intox. I mean, just I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, may have even been considered the town drunk. Although mm-hmm. if I say that, somebody's going to call and say Tina. No, but <laughs> uh, but I, I just say that to give you know to paint somewhat of a picture. Mm-hmm. Dean was in and out of tr- uh, in and out of jail a lot, so much so that he may it was national news uh, because I think he had been arrested more than X number of times, the most person ever, the most number of arrest ever. Uh, for a person for public intox. Wow. Yeah. And um they were uh somebody had done um No, no, I had we had all done an interview with um uh some some of the veteran most veteran most police officers. Mm-hmm. And they were telling us that uh they, you know, Verl Dean wasn't a a threat or anything. They, you know, they they brought him in when they needed to bring him in. But that He apparently had a brother uh, who was shot and killed by a police officer uh, in Anderson, Um, and uh, the police officer had a blue, uh, you know, a blue uniform, right? And so legend has it, or so be it, was so it was told, and I hope I'm telling everything exactly the right way, but so it was told that every time, you know, if Veraldine got a little bit too tipsy, little bit too much of the grape or wine or whatever it was that he drank if he saw uh, uh, a blue a blue uh uniform a blue police officer in a blue uniform he'd go crazy and he would have a flashback because he said a, a police officer in a blue uniform killed his brother and he loved his brother so oh. yeah so the blue police uniform in anderson mm. indiana was world dean's trigger when he got drunk wow yeah and so to say to ask the question now was there some mental illness in there somewhere probably there's an intersectionality a a strong intersectionality between alcoholism and and mental illness in in a lot of ways so we're told so um i say that because i remember this case was like 20 30 years ago as well but uh anderson indiana uh made national news because real dean had been arrested x number of times the most for any person uh, arrested for public intox in the country at the time, and his trigger was a blue police uniform. So,
2: wow. Yeah. What a story. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's very believable. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's, unfortunately, those those type of things still happen.
1: So, yeah, and they were saying that the officers there would tell you when he wasn't drinking, he was the nicest person you ever want to see. That's why they treated him so well. Mm. Um, you know, it was a lot like Mayberry. They didn't, you know, they didn't rough him up or anything. They said, okay, he's, he's had too much. Let's go get him. Uh, and then I guess in, in in bringing him in, he'd say, "You in know, that uniform you blah 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 so it go, and there it goes, so um uh yeah i I gotta look that story up. I think I got ninety percent of it, right? Uh, <laughs> so anyway, switching gears now, let us bring in our sports guy from the Indianapolis recorder, Danny Bridges, Danny, are you there? I'm here you are I'm here oh okay well let's see do we have your theme music i don't know i'm gonna say I, I i feel kind of slighted without that that uh every superhero needs his theme music how about that well i've still got the cape on <laughs> okay. but it's all right there he goes there uh aj's got it you know aj's gonna get it for you he's a busy man he's he good. is he is a busy man he is a busy and
2: man. and he does an excellent job I've always got the music for you, Danny. I just, I got to see you get up and dance to it. (laughs) I think that there's more chance of you hitting the
8: Indiana lottery and the Powerball in the same night and then seeing me dance again. But (laughs) how are you doing, Danny?
1: How are you doing?
8: Well, I'm doing okay. I am. uh, I am uh, happy to be alive. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. It's not zero degrees out. Uh, there's a lot to be thankful for today.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Indianapolis is the talk of the town, so to speak, especially in the sporting world with that uh, that trade yesterday, uh, that uh, that got us the big guy.
8: Well, certainly it's a uh, it's a key addition to the team. Yeah, a very talented player. I'm just not sure the mathematics work out for the Pacers long term. This really? gentleman, is, uh. no, I, I just I don't. Well, let me let me explain why I say that. I okay,
1: mean, okay. He, he, and, and again, he, again, we're talking about uh, the Pacers' trait. For those who may not know and are just tuning in, sometimes we talk, we start talking, and, and assuming everybody knows what we're talking about, and everybody doesn't know what we're talking about. But uh, Pascal um, uh, Siakam uh, is uh, now a Pacer, power forward from the Toronto Raptors, uh, in exchange for three players and three first round. Uh, draft picks, that's uh, what the Pacers gave up to get uh, Pascal. So, and they also let
3: Pascal, go of I'll Bruce I'll
8: Brown, which was probably to be expected. Mm-hmm. But I would say this, he's currently, the Pacers inherited the balance of this year's salary, which is just a bit short of $39 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, now they're going to have to make a decision with him, and he's going to have to be persuaded to do one of the two following things. They'll have till June the 30th to sign him to a two-year extension of about $81.5 million. Or if it gets into July, then he becomes eligible for a five-year, $247 million deal by the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. So when you factor in next year, Tyrese Halliburton's extension kicks in at close to $50 million a year. I'm going to say I think that first year is a little bit less. It opens up at. Uh, a lesser number, but it pegs out over a five-year guarantee of roughly $250 million. All of a sudden, the Pacers went from being, I think, about $7 million under the cap to almost to the threshold of the luxury tax, which I don't believe uh, for a minute that uh, Herb Simon has any interest in paying as far as going over the uh, salary cap is concerned. Now, the other side of this is they picked up a, a very good score People call him a power forward. I'm more apt to call him a forward. I, mm-hmm. He's not an extremely physical player, but he's a gifted athlete, 22 points a game, roughly seven rebounds. So he's certainly going to be an added addition that is one that is uh, going to be very welcome. It'll be interesting to see how the ball is shared, but I do believe that the Pacers made a move to try to get into the upper section. I'm going to call it the upper section, the fir- to, uh, oh, to get into the playoffs and make a, a first-round series be a home-court advantage. We did have to finish at least fourth in the East to do that because there's so many teams bunched up after Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Boston. They could very well make a claim to that fourth seed, which would be an incredible turnaround for them. But I think the economics of this deal have to be watched pretty closely because you have to have enough money to sign free agents that you currently have the rights to as well as anybody you may draft and patients are getting close to the luxury tax. And I never thought I'd say that in a million years. Mm.
3: Uh,
1: So you from, so from the financial perspective, you have concerns. What about, uh, you know, from a player's perspective?
8: Well, he's certainly going to be somebody who can score, give you 20 points, seven rebounds a night who wouldn't like to have that that's a heck of an addition so i give him the kudos for for rolling the dice and i say roll the dice because this guy has other options and if he becomes a free agent i don't think that'll come to that i do believe they'll be able to sign him who knows they might have had a handshake agreement with him uh that he would commit to verbally uh, Hmm. wanting to stay in indianapolis when his current contract expires but uh The guy can play. There's no question about that. A two-time All-Star, a former NBA champion in 2019 with Toronto. He's got skills, uh, and that's always a good thing. I will just simply say this. I think Rick Carlisle is a lot smarter about basketball than I am, and you're going to say, hey, wait a minute, he's the coach. He's not the general manager. I would think that he's got quite a bit to say about what they're doing and what they're doing moving forward. I never thought the Simon – family would pay a coach 7.2 million dollars to come to annapolis so maybe i should have a little bit more faith in their ability to balance the budget with two max deal type players
1: yeah uh is it a trade you would have made
8: <sighs> boy that yes and no and that's not a fair answer yes because you want his ability to to play and to make your team better but i think they're really reaching a threshold with the finances here however mm-hmm. You know what? It's not my money. I'll go ahead and spend it. So, yeah, I would have made the trade. It's it's certainly a a hell of an addition to the team, Uh, but I think the financial ramifications over the next five years are really going to have to be strategically staged, for lack of a better term. I mean, Halliburton is in. He's going to get $250 million over five years, okay? that's We know this. I would assume that Pascal is going to want at least a raise, He's currently at $38 Do the math, and then you have to wonder what's left over to satisfy the needs of the other players. So, again, uh, can't deny the fact that he makes them a better team by what he brings to the table. That goes without saying.
1: Okay. Good enough. Hey, your buddy Jeff is on the line. Anyone else want to join the convo? Give us a call, 317-972-3008, 317-972-3008. Um, our sports guy, sports writer with the Indianapolis recorder, Danny Bridges, is our guest. Jeff, go ahead. How are you?
7: Hey, Tina. Hey, Danny. How you guys doing? Good, good. How are you? Bro? Hi, Jeff. Hey, how you doing, Danny? Danny, i got to ask you this question. No, Mike McCarthy, the, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, obviously his job is safe. My, okay. But there's a rumor mill going that the reason he's still there is because there's no takers. Not even Belichick wants to go to Dallas. Are you hearing the same thing? Because
8: well, you know who? who. Oh, <laughs> well, rumors get started every year at the end of this or toward the end of the season, especially mm-hmm. when a number of coaches get fired. I do believe Bill Belichick will coach again. I do believe he would want the same type of authority. they are interested. Yeah,
9: yeah the interested. same type of
8: decision-making ability that he had in New England. Uh, I, I think the main thing is. It's not a fire sale for Bill Belichick. He's an extremely wealthy man. He's an accomplished coach. Maybe he sits out a year and reflects on what the next move is for him and what's best. I don't think he wants to go anywhere where there's not a capable quarterback in place and have the authority to have decision-making capabilities. So, um, you know, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about Jerry Jones other than, obviously, he wants to control things. He signs the checks. He's an owner and a general manager, which is a rough combination for uh, yes. a coach. Yeah, that's that's tough. But I would say this: Mike McCarthy's in a heck of a, ba- a heck of a football coach, and they've had some problems in the playoffs, obviously. But long before he arrived, you got to remember Parcells ran off, or excuse me, Jerry Jones ran Bill Parcells off, and he waited too long to pull the trigger on Jason Garrett. So his track record as a NFL executive is questionable. But uh, I do believe this. If some reason it doesn't work out next season for Mike McCarthy and Bill Belichick is available, I think they're going to have some dialogue. But I think the difficult part in that situation would be for Jerry Jones to relinquish authority and input because, let's face it, the reason that Belichick was so successful in New England is twofold. Number one, Tom Brady. Number two, a very uh, good owner who said, hey, this is your baby, you rock it, you run this thing, I'll sign the checks. And uh, you never saw Robert Kraft making personnel decisions publicly speaking anyway. Did he have meetings? Did he have talks with Belichick? Of course he did. But ultimately, Belichick made the decisions. Six Super Bowl victories prove he was not too bad at it. And, you know, he's going to coach again if he wants to. And uh, here's an interesting thought. How about he takes a job and brings in Nick Saban as his – Head coordinator, wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that's a good good angle. Well, I mean, people don't realize how far back those guys go. I doubt that would ever happen. I think Nick Saban has had enough of coaching. I think he's had enough of the name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal as well as the fact that he's 72 years old, extremely wealthy, a successful businessman in the luxury automobile industry as well. A lot of people may not be aware of that. But to your point, uh, yeah, I think Bill Belichick would have difficulties in a Jerry Jones environment. And uh, I thought the press conference that Mike McCarthy did today was a, was a bit insightful and also a bit embarrassing in the same breath. But the guys who won 12 games over the last three last three years. A lot of teams would certainly like to have that in their ledger and uh, I do believe he's a competent coach and but I'll also say this real quickly that I don't think the Green Bay thing was an absolute upset of epic proportion. You take Micah Parsons and CD Lamb off of that Dallas team, and it's a pretty even match team for team. Jordan Love's got a hot hand right now, and, D, and Green Bay's playing pretty yeah. jaw well football. I kind of like them in ten points at San Francisco, but that's for entertainment purposes only. Also, <laughs> Danny, you always you know, say
9: that. <laughs> also, for entertainment purposes
1: yeah, only. Green, Green Bay, well, Green Bay plus ten <laughs> over I San Okay.
9: So what about Jim Harbaugh? You think
8: he'll take the Chargers job? I think it's his if he wants it. I also think that uh, he's in a a very interesting position. Michigan wants him to stay in the worst possible way. So if he stays there, he's going to get a raise. And a recent report shows he wants language that guarantees he wouldn't be fired over infractions that might be out there that are pending that he hasn't had to serve notice for. Uh, That's an interesting perspective. But let me say this. If they haven't fired Jim Harbaugh by now, they're not going to with a national championship feather in his cap. That guy can control that football program in a way that he might not be able to control an NFL franchise. The Chargers certainly have a very deep-pocketed owner. Uh, they've got a beautiful stadium that they share with the Rams. Uh, there's a lot of positive things. Oh, yeah, they've got a great quarterback as well. So if is going to go to the NFL, I think it's the Chargers. But something tells me he's going to leverage an NFL job into a big raise at Michigan. That's just my take.
9: Okay. Also, real quickly, real quickly,
8: the Lions. Well, defensively, they're for real. Uh, They're going to have to play better uh, than they did against the Rams. Of course, Tampa Bay is not a real daunting opponent, but they're playing with house money, and they're pretty loose, and they've got two really good wide receivers. So there's a chance for them to go into Detroit and play some pretty competitive football. But wouldn't it be something if the Detroit Lions, and right now from a Las Vegas perspective, they're on track to be in the NFC title game. That's incredible. Uh, Their coach deserves a lot of credit. I think he's obviously the coach of the year in the NFL, but that's just my take. And, you know, I really thought that they dominated the game offensively running the football against the Rams, but yet they only won by a point. So I guess – a couple things they need to button down are their secondary allowed a lot of passing yards to Matthew Stafford. He was a great quarterback possession receivers at his disposal. He talked about that after the game. I thought the Rams blew the opportunity to win the football game. So that being the case, Detroit is definitely going to have to tighten it up this weekend. I do believe they're the favorite. Obviously they're probably going to win that football game, but, Whoever's waiting for them when the dust clears from the Tampa Bay game, if indeed they're able to advance, is going to be a very formidable opponent. And if Green Bay could somehow upset the 49ers, who would have ever dreamed that two teams of the same NFC central would be battling it out for the NFC crown. That's incredible, especially when you talk about the futility that surrounds the history of the Detroit lions. But, uh, I, I tell you, they're fun to watch and, uh, that place will be rocking this weekend. And, uh, it's it's going to be tough for Tampa Bay to beat them, and all of a sudden you've got the Detroit Lions in an NFC title game, and that is a heck of a story.
1: Okay, uh, looks like Jeff is good. Uh, Jeff is good. Hey, on a, on another note, um, any word on Ursay, uh, How he's doing? I mean, there was a, quite a revelation uh, that that broke yesterday as well. We had two big uh, two big stories uh, that broke within the last couple of days. Have you heard any well, more about how he's doing? I always,
8: I, I always say this. I still believe, even when it's unfortunate news, that health and welfare of an individual is a private matter. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, mm-hmm.
3: As a his, public persona, person. mm-hmm. his
8: persona in terms of an owner of an NFL franchise that is subsidized by tax money mm-hmm. is a higher profile and one where I think you can make an exception in terms of at least the inquiry and the status of the situation.
3: Mm-hmm. I
8: think the key thing to remember is, yes, it's been documented that, the, that uh, police and paramedics were dispatched to his home in December. I believe it was the 8th of December, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Yeah. It's also mm-hmm. been documented that he was in attendance at the next Pulse game after that. So it's not as if uh, he wasn't able to, you know, I, I dare say recover, but it was well enough to attend a football game. Mm-hmm. His health, you know, I don't know. Orthopedically, it's not sound. Mm-hmm. He's been candid about his addictions to uh, prescription medications. Quite candid,
1: quite candid,
8: yeah. uh, Specifically about uh, painkillers. Estimated he's been in rehab 15 times. Those are his words. I hope that this latest incident was a wake-up call. I don't know the extent of it. But if he was able to attend a football game in person the week after that, I would have to say he's not on death's door. And this vigil watching every move that he makes moving forward seems a bit over the top to me. We know the personality, we know the history, and we know the individual um, has a lot of things at his disposal that common people like yours truly doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't envy that as much as I almost mm-hmm. dread that in terms of the fact that he's surrounded by enablers like a lot of billionaires are.
1: Oh
3: yeah, and, write a
1: check or drop a dollar or two here and
8: there. Well, yeah, yeah, here's, here's you the, do the thing. You he's doing. been benevolent as well. He He's really an enigma, he really is. You mm-hmm. can you can take a shot at him for his personal behavior and his uh, shortcomings in that area, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But then you can turn around and point to how benevolent he's been. Jim Irsay is a complex person. He owes me no explanation for his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I hope that he is uh, better than he was December the 8th and the week after that when he attended the football game. There's been no uh, report other than he had a respiratory illness. And that, I think, could be separate mm-hmm. from his unfortunate situation in december so no i don't really know with any degree of certainty i don't think anyone really knows other than Jim jimmer say himself mm-hmm. and the people who surround him uh, i hope that he gets it together for his family's sake he's got daughters he's got grandchildren he's got a lot to be thankful for beyond his wealth and status as mm-hmm. a billionaire
3: mm-hmm.
8: um it, it's a tough one to analyze from a distance but i will just simply say this and close on the matter uh He's a very fortunate man, and I'm hoping he's making right decisions today, unlike perhaps what he did on December the 8th and even
1: prior to that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So uh, you and Jeff talked about it a little bit, uh, but it's a big weekend uh, in the NFL uh, because uh, there are eight remaining, and soon there will be (laughs) just a few. So um, you've already said you believe Green Bay is going to beat – uh, it's going to no, be San I didn't Francisco. I
8: that. I said I think they'll lose by less than 11. <laughs> There's a
1: difference to Oh, you. wait a minute, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay.
8: I said, wouldn't it be something if they were able to upset the 49ers and Detroit advance and you'd have two teams that mm-hmm. nobody ever dreamed would be so playing So you say Green, MSC? you
1: feel like Green Bay is going to lose.
8: I think Green Bay is a good bet from a odds-making standpoint. Okay. Getting That's the odds. Is, Ten points is a lot of points in an NFL game. Now, granted, San Francisco is stout. They haven't played in a week. I'm looking at can they be maybe just a bit off of their game? Green Bay comes in with a hot hand, get a turnover early on. Who knows? That kind of thing. A lot of things have to line up for Green Mm. Bay to win, but Mm. I think they're capable of hanging in there, and that's why I like the 10 points just from a gambling perspective. But honestly, (laughs) if this thing charts out, you've got San Francisco hosting Detroit for the NFC title. And then on the other side of the slate, as far as uh, the AFC is concerned, uh, I don't see anyone other than Kansas City or Buffalo being able to win uh, the AFC, and that's just the way I look at that. And not you, so you don't look,
1: think uh, you don't think the Texans are gonna?
8: No, I don't think the Texans are going to prevail. I think Baltimore is the team to beat ultimately, but Buffalo's got a hot hand, and uh, yeah. I think they're going to beat Kansas City this weekend. I think Baltimore is going to beat the Texans, and I think the winner between Baltimore and the Buffalo Bills is going to be your Super Bowl champion. Oh, they'll come from the AFC this year. I think so. I just I've got a feeling Baltimore is really stout, and Buffalo has just got the hot hand right now. I mean they're they're kind of like I mean Green Bay is a sort of a, a hot hand, but Buffalo is a mm. uh, a uh, scorching hot hand, and you know all these guys. And I talk about all these teams, they're all the common factor the quarterback driven. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh Allen, I think the game against uh, the Steelers showed that, hey, we're not dead yet. We're still around. And you have to reckon with us. And, you know, let's look at it this way uh, you're going to have to uh, somehow Baltimore or Buffalo is going to, one of them is going to be beaten. And I just think the winner of those two is your Super
2: Bowl champ. Mm.
1: Any thoughts on that, AJ?
2: I I like Sorry. it. I like it. I you like I, it. Okay. I AJ like likes the, uh, it, yeah. I do like the Packers. I do like the Packers to upset yeah, the Raiders. got a hot hand and you yeah. know
8: what people said that it was a huge upset in Dallas. I don't believe that. I don't think that at all. I mm-hmm. do think Dallas man for man might have been a little bit better team. You talk about Lamb, you mm-hmm. talk about Parsons, but let's let's look at this. Jordan Love has been on fire for about a month and a half now. It's been a
2: while. He's been proving it.
8: And he's confident. He's a confident young man. And uh, confidence means something in the playoffs. Look, it's going to be loud and difficult in Santa Clara when they roll into town this weekend. But uh, I just think this is why the NFL playoffs are interesting. And this is why America loves professional football. It's the best time of year for this sport. And uh, it's being watched globally now. And it's being watched very closely, not just in Las Vegas, uh, by the odds makers. But uh, it's a good time to be a football fan, that's for sure, this weekend. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I I don't know who I I, – well, I I, I will say, and I've said it several times, I am so very impressed with uh, C.J. Stroud. He is an impressive talent.
8: Could he he go into uh, the game this week and, 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 and pay a masterpiece? I think he's quite capable for throwing for 350 yards and a couple of scores, but the pressure's on their defense. Baltimore is a physical football team, mm-hmm. and I just don't see them losing at home. But to be honest with you, no one thought the Green Bay Packers would stroll into Arlington Stadium, or Arlington, Texas, rather, and take the Dallas Cowboys apart like they did. So not looking for that kind of performance from Houston, but boy, they'd really have to play on top of their game to survive i just don't think there's enough there to beat the ravens in their home park
3: Mm. yeah we'll see
1: okay interesting 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 so um so what else is going on well a lot of stuff is ramping up for the all-star
8: game Mm. i am still holding out hope that somebody will step up and buy a number of tickets for the all-star saturday evening and disperse them to less fortunate children in the Indianapolis community. Mm-hmm. Go to any bus stop uh, in the IPS district in the morning and look at the number of kids who wear NBA jerseys over their shirt, who wear mm-hmm. the sneakers, who support the NBA. Um, I, I just feel like they're getting shut out, and I yeah, will Wilson. credit the Pacers. Pro- they put 2,500 tickets toward the cause, but All-Stars Saturday night should be free. I've written about it. People are, are tired of hearing me talk about it. I'm going to get off the soapbox. But a lot's going on with the All-Star Game. A lot of money's changing hands. Mm-hmm. A lot of positive things for this community. Let's show the country that we set the template for this and let every child who wants in to see their heroes on Saturday night before the All-Star Game in for free.
1: Yeah, indeed. Hey, you got one final call before we have to let you go. Mr. Russell, go ahead. How are you, Mr. Russell?
9: Hey, hey, Gina. I, I got a couple of things uh, One is don't sleep on uh, Detroit and don't sleep on Houston as far as uh, football is concerned. But uh, the other thing was uh, there's so many games that uh, are being played uh, in terms of particularly basketball games now. uh, It's hard to find uh, where they're listed is is there any central location where you can find out where these games? A lot of times on the news they say, well, this game has happened, but you know if you don't know about it, you've missed it. So uh, is there any central location that you know of where all the games are listed and if they're going to be televised or not?
8: Well, I, I, re- I rely on the Internet yeah, more than anything, yeah. to be quite honest with you. You know, I use a couple different applications on my phone. One would be the the standard ESPN application, mm-hmm. and obviously NBA.com. And there's also uh, an NCAA app as far as college is concerned. But you make an interesting point. I've talked about this before. We people my age grew up with newspapers, and newspapers Absolutely. always had the full listings of the games. So one has Absolutely. to follow their, one has to follow their team's website or a sports website, like I mentioned, to be fully up-to-date. Uh, a lot of people don't like to see uh, games on the streaming service. Obviously, the Miami-Kansas City game was on Peacock. The IU-Purdue game was on Peacock. Got to get used to that. Too much money changing hands for that to change. And uh, the bottom line is that's the new modern world. But to your point, sir, I, uh, you know, if you have IndyStar.com on your computer – they still provide a pretty good listing, but I kind of try to go directly to the source. And I use ESPN for daily NBA and college basketball scheduling. It's pretty easy to access. If an old man like me can do it, I know a young guy like you can.
9: I don't know about the age thing, but, but uh, <laughs> that, might, that might be that, that that might be something that the recorder might want to look into. You know, in terms of well, uh, those those kinds of listings.
8: Since, I, think, uh, I think they do a pretty good job of keeping up with current events. You're right, though. Uh, real-time scheduling and real-time results of sports, whether it be NBA, Major League Baseball, um, obviously the NFL, mm-hmm. and college football and basketball uh, are, are certainly something that w- is, is worthy. The IU Purdue thing here locally is usually pretty well covered, but you make a point. I mean, things change so much, and the attention span of the mm-hmm. – uh, Fan today is not as broad or long as it used to be, but uh, the info's out there. It should be a little easier to access. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and agree with you there. I think mm-hmm. we have common
9: ground. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can do something about that. Hopefully.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know though. The train seems to have left the station though, Mr. Russell. Train leaving a lot of stations. Down. Yeah. I have yeah. a I have a good friend that thank you Mr. Russell. Have a good friend that that strongly believes that uh in just a a short amount of time uh in all NFL games are going to be uh for sale. You you just going to have to have some kind of a subscription well, service they're for sale to watch now, all of them. Yeah, they are, right, but now everything's can
8: the new contracts don't come up for a while. Streaming is is obviously going to take a bigger platform mm-hmm. uh but Less the base Jeff Bezos of the world with Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's enough money out there in the streaming world to compete with your Fox, your NBC, and your CBS and your ABC ESPN.
3: So,
8: mm-hmm. well, somebody could step in and, and change my mind, but uh, whatever they've just whatever the check is written for, uh, mm-hmm. the first uh, letter is a B as in billion, actually, it's MB multi billion. But uh, and there it goes. Yeah, you're, it's sad that things have changed in that way. But, you know, a lot of people don't have any use for newspapers now, but you can still read them online. And I do know that uh, the Indianapolis Star, as much as it's changed, much to my chagrin, uh, still does a good job in listing schedules mm-hmm. for IU, yeah, you know. Purdue, yeah, the know. Pacers, the
1: Colts, and the conferences and leagues that they play in. All it, right. It, Okay, well, we'll have to leave it right there because we are short on time. But, Danny, thank you as always. We'll be talking with you soon, and I'm going to I'm gonna uh, look at this again. Is it Green Bay plus 10 uh, over San Francisco? Is that what you said? I like Green Bay plus 10. keep in
8: mind, they can lose by 9.5 or less and still get money out of the deal. I'm talking about <laughs> okay. the handicapping perspective. Okay. Only. All right, I'm going to remember that. Does, if the 49ers don't win, I'll be shocked. But... I thought that Green Bay had their work cut out in Dallas, and they showed me differently. Thanks for the time, always.
1: Thank you, as always. We'll talk to you again soon. And that's all the time we have for right now. We're always Praise AM 1310 and 95.1 FM. Indy's inspiration, our website, praiseindy.com. Willie Moore Jr. on the radio is up next. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our new call-in number, don't forget, 317-972-3008. That's our new phone number. As always, be safe and be well. We're back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Tina Cosby, and this is Community Connection.